Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain podcast. My name is Fei Yu. I'm the Managing Director Europe at Alcott Global. Today, we have the pleasure to welcome Jia Hui, COO of On AG. Before we start, I'd like to share an amazing story about On. So we're talking about American dream. This is a Swiss dream come true. On was born in the Swiss Alps with one goal, to transform the sensation of running. In 12 years, On has become a global sportswear brand with continues to change status quo through innovation, commitment to performance and sustainability, a passion to inspire people to explore, move, and dream. During Jiahui's eight years at On, the company grew its global team from 40 to 2000, went public in 2021, and achieved revenue growth of 60 times to 1.2 billion Swiss francs in 2022. So myself, I just bought three pair of on shoes, all pink. So look at that. So I'm a big fan of on shoes and I love them. So and really excited to have Jiahui with us and very short introduction about Jiahui as well. Also a Swiss dream come true. Before on, Jiahui had no experience in supply chain, except for one month of night shift in a chocolate factory, if you can call it an, an experience in supply chain. And of course, uh, bring, yeah, exactly. And of course you went MBA at Harvard Business School, then you took a course as well. Then Jiahui, the, you were once in a, an assistant brand manager for M&A in Beijing a stock trader at Marilyn Lynch in Singapore, and a strategy and private equity consultant at Bank in New York. So Jiahui also is, so you got all my respect, uh, your mother of two young kids, and the third one is coming. And uh, you have a full-time job, so husband who's also an executive, who's an, a CEO of a retailer and real estate company and he's fluent in Chinese. So this is really a dream, right? Chinese Swiss dream. Yahweh, really great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, Faye. It's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for your endorsement of our pink line. I'll make sure that feedback is given to our color strategy team. I also have very good experience on shopping on shoes online. So kudos to your management. Thank you. Thank you for the support. So now, one question. You have two young kids. How old are they? Uh, four and two. And uh, the, the third one, as you said, is, is coming in two months. Oh, my God. How do you do that? It's hard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you have a kid yourself as well, so, so you know it. I think, I think especially with small kids, I would say, like, probably no age is that easy, right? Different age give you, give you different challenges. I'm still at the very early stage of the challenges, which is more around logistics. So yeah, uh, my husband and I, we both work full time. We, we have two young kids, so it, it's never easy. Yeah. So I think that I met, we mentioned that uh, when we talk about On and Jiahui, right? I think it's a similar story from nobody. All of a sudden, you see Jiahui as COO of On. And you see on from no brand, right? Nobody to a star brand that everybody loves. So I would have three questions, main questions today, followed by other questions. 
how, how, how. <laughs> how did you make a fast track to be a COO of a listed company? Second, how do you manage family life with two kids and a third coming on the way? Being a COO, right, a big job in an extreme dynamic and competitive retail environment. And third, how did you own make it from nobody, right? So we see that, right? So we from a local brand, small brand to today's star position. So we, we have this Nike, Adidas, and then so Axis and all the brands there. Now, I don't see them right at home anymore. We only have on shoes. How do you live in Switzerland? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's start. <laughs> sure, sure. Hey, um, again, thanks for having me here. And again, like, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm pregnant. I typically have pretty good memory, but now I have my pregnancy break. I might need your reminder <laughs> to the other questions. I can handle one question at a, at a time. Sure. Let's start. If I remember right, you were asking first about kind of my career path and then how, yeah. how do I end up kind of in supply chain and in a COO right. position in a, in a very, say, traditional kind of industry, consumer goods, sporting goods, and where, where I get here, right? So yeah, no, thanks for that question. I mean, it's, it's not something part of my kind of career plan, say 10, 15 years ago, uh, definitely not. But I would say my, my early career was, was, was involving a lot of exploration. I, I tried a lot of things uh, coming out of university. I, I was in sales, I was in marketing, in PR, and then I, I found myself really, really into numbers. Then I switched kind of into finance. I was in private equity and then and then uh, stock trading. And then, then I went back to consulting because I wanted to find the intersection between numbers and operations, uh, which I really enjoyed as well. Honestly, ending up at on in operations was was quite a, quite a lucky but also unplanned move. So I moved to Switzerland in twenty. I, I'm born and raised in China, by the way. Um, and then I was working in China as well. I went to the U.S. for business school, in 2010. And then I was working in, in New York as, as a private equity consultant at Bain. Uh, 2015, I decided to move to Switzerland for, for personal reasons because my husband is Swiss. He, he's, he's based here. He works for a local company. I was a little bit more flexible being a consultant. So we wanted to be together. I moved, I decided to move to Switzerland. And then I got introduced to this, to this small startup called On. They, they make running shoes. They're based in Switzerland. And for me, that, that's, that's, that's a few things that don't really, don't really work together. Because you all know that the, the, the sporting goods market, the largest place is, is in the U.S. or is Germany. Typically, you have brands either based in North America or, or kind of in Germany or a little bit in the U.K. And then somehow there are these, these few young guys who started a company out of Switzerland. They claim they have a special technology for running. And then they, they have a big dream. They want to conquer the world by revolutionizing the running sensation. So I had a chat with them. I, I, I'm a runner myself. I really like running. I tried their products. I would say in the beginning, it was kind of two things that really attracted me to the company. First is the product, right? So being a physical goods product company, it's always about the product, the quality, the actual technology. Um, it really helped me. I had a big knee surgery and I was kind of going back into running. I tried their running shoes, really liked them. So I was pretty convinced as a consumer. And secondly, I really liked the, the, the team and the culture. So it was a pretty small team when I joined, 30, 40 people. The founding team, actually, a few of them are, are former consultants from McKinsey and other consulting firms. I was a consultant myself as well. So it was quite refreshing to get to know a team that actually think in a way a bit more academic and then just very willing to challenge status quo. We always talk about what is the emerging hypothesis? How do we support these kind of um, answer first approach and that if we don't have a lot of data to say something is wrong it's worth giving it a try let's just try to challenge whatever is out there even if no, none of us came from the footwear industry 
but then we were very, very willing to just do something different. The same as, as the technology, you know, our shoes look different. Um, you're very familiar with it. When you look at it, you see these kind of holes in the sole units, which just makes them already outstanding versus the other shoes in, in, in the market. And then we try to do everything differently. We try to do everything uh, with a bit more human touch, do everything kind of against the general sense of what the industry standard is. So that really attracted me, that whole philosophy and that just whole entrepreneurial drive to do things differently. So that's when I joined on. And then fast forward, yes, it's, it's been eight years. It feels not that long, but it's, it's been it's been almost a decade since I've been at on. As you introduced, the team has grew a lot. The, the business has grew a lot as well. We were very lucky that we found a good chance to, to become a public company in 2021. Uh, so that has been one and a half years already. So yeah, I, I I ended up here not having perfectly planned for entering this industry or or, or doing exactly supply chain, but because of different reasons, I was I was attracted to this company. Uh, it's actually the same job that I did for eight years, but obviously it felt like a new job every two or three months. I can imagine you yeah. mentioned that you went to conferences right for many times, right, for, for the first time among the chief supply chain officers and COO of large companies that actually existed for a long time. And they're mostly male, uh, much older than you, long career track in supply chain, and you're always different, right, among them. How does it feel in the supply chain world? Yeah, I'm I'm really, it's really interesting to mention that. I think the first time I realized that was after maybe two or three years after I've been at Bond, right? Because the first two or three years were just busy. I was busy picking up customer service phone calls. I was busy putting invoices in an envelope and actually bring it to the post office. And then we we grew the business a bit more. So kind of survival was not no longer the the, the challenge day to day anymore. And then I'm like, hey, let, let, let me look into how other people do supply chain, right? All do supply chain from the way of my one and only course that I learned at my MBA class. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's something else I can learn from how other people do it. So I went to this conference in, um, I think it was in Berlin, uh, like a supply chain symposium or a sort. And then I realized, hey, the, I actually look different from these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's that, that's interesting. What is happening? There doesn't seem to be a lot of diversity in this in this industry or kind of what I do. And throughout the years as well, you know, you you also, I mean, being a headhunter yourself, you you know the the, the talent profile very well. And somehow it's it's a it's a bit sad to see that uh, we're really lacking diversity, especially on the on the top level when it, when it comes to supply chain management or or general operations operations management. I do see companies also have more people with a diverse profile recently, which is which is very, very encouraging to see. I came to know a few other kind of female leaders in, in, in the industry um, or, or people from different ethnic ethnic backgrounds, et cetera. It's something that I think it's, it's a pity when we miss out on that because really the, the world is very dynamic, especially if you think about consumer goods. Our, our consumers are very dynamic, the profile, the community. And, and and when you have a very different group of undiverse leaders making day-to-day decisions, and you're actually trying to serve a consumer group that is very diverse and very dynamic, I think that mismatch sometimes might actually, it's, it's just something sad to me. Mm. And now addressing this, right, how do you promote diversity in your team? Hey, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. Um, I mean, we always say a diversity and inclusion, right? So focusing mm-hmm. on that diverse part, that's basically the composition of, of your team. The two things you can do, right? One is to hire from, from outside and one is to promote from within. Hiring from outside, you are very constrained by what is on the market. Uh, but it's also a lot of intentional choices. So we have came to a few cases at all where we're just like, hey, the current leadership team is already 80% male. We really need to show we bring 
uh, more, more diverse uh, voice into the leadership team. So for certain positions, we would actually make very, very intentional choice that we really want to have a very high percentage of kind of the profiles being from different gender profile, different, different ethnicity, different language background or education background. So it's about making those intentional choices and then compromising with 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 speed of, of, of filling the roles, right? So obviously every role that's empty should have been filled since yesterday, but sometimes you, you might just want to pause a bit to wait until the right candidate, not only in terms of skill set, but also in terms of the background and then the, the diverse view he or she can bring to the table. Um, so to be able to make, make the right choice and fill up the team in general in a more diverse way in, in the end. So we make a lot of intentional choices like that. But obviously, on the other hand, you're also very, very constrained mm-hmm. with the market. So the other thing is trying to promote from within, right? So uh, then it comes to kind of that DNI, the second piece is the inclusive piece. Even if you have a diverse team, like when you look at all in general, our team is rather diverse. When you look at the macro level, uh, about half of the people on the management board is actually women. And also from multiple uh, from multiple internationalities uh, with different kind of career and education backgrounds. But obviously on the micro level, different teams has its own dynamics. But when we say DNI, right? So even if you bring a rather diverse team uh, on either the leadership or the, or, the, or the more junior level to the table, you have to still make sure everyone has the same opportunity and people feel safe to actually express themselves, right? That That's what we mean by, by inclusiveness. You can have a diverse team, but then you make the people who are diverse not feel safe to even express their views, then it's no use either. So then basically, I think the whole promoting from within and develop from within, you need to focus a lot on inclusivity, mm-hmm. which sometimes is not easier than, 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 than bringing diversity to the table. So we do a lot of internal discussion around psychological safety. What does it mean, uh, psychological safety? When do I feel I am safe? Then I can be myself, express myself, be even better than myself. And then making sure that you you remove your kind of level of glasses when you look at people from various backgrounds and evaluating their performance, right? Try not to just make the judgment based on somebody said something at a meeting or somebody made a great presentation, but more go into, go into the more the more personal skill set level and then evaluate people, also give them the right coaching opportunity, pair them up with, with, with other female or male leaders that they can look up to. So a lot of intentional effort that is needed to also build that whole inclusivity in the team. But it's definitely not an easy task. And I, I actually think it's a very, very important task for, for people in, in, say, supply chain or, or, or operations in general. You need a more diverse team, be it on any level, and especially on the leadership level to be able to uh, make better decisions. There are a lot of studies around this, right? So the more diverse team actually tends to come out with better, more sound uh, business decisions. And you also need a team that then your junior levels can actually look up to so that they can also aspire to develop. Uh, the last thing we want is, is junior female team members look up and then see everyone on top is, is, is male or from a certain ethnic or educational background, then they already feel discouraged to further pursue a career along this track. It's a really modern uh, way of promoting diversity. Really like that. So, but I think it's, it's really yeah. it's really important, right? That that also as leaders, we we continue to educate ourselves on, on what is important to the to the newer generation, to the new kind of environment of doing business. Yeah, yeah. I do remember you mentioned that on it's uh, it started at like more the tech mindset, right? The culture is more tech. And uh, people do not like to label. When they, you you talk about corporate, right? Uh, people just feel a hunch, like no, we're not corporate. Right? And then the 
my question is that how is it now you you already move from a small company startup company to a listed company how do you maintain that culture that is not corporate but still a corporate and <laughs> and then still keeping the tech right startup entrepreneurial mindset yeah yeah no that's a that's a it, it's a tough thing it's not easy yeah. and i think um so being the person who sits on the operational chair, right, in the company, uh, I, I also, whenever people say that, hey, we can't be corporate, whatever you said sounds too corporate. Mm -hmm. I think you also need to look at this from multiple facades, right? Like being corporate is not necessarily bad. What, what do you mean by being corporate, right? Like like when we, when, we, when we refer to something as being corporate, there are many, many sides of it. There is like, hey, corporate can be political, corporate can be hierarchical, corporate can also be efficient and process-minded, and corporate can be with, with clarity and then with a certain communication channels, right? So certain things actually are, are the positive elements that we can learn from as a startup or scale-up, and certain elements we're sure that we want to avoid having, right? For example, being very hierarchical, in decision making, in the way you treat each other, in the way you grow talents, in the way you, you kind of start to build politics everywhere in, in, in the company. That's something we definitely want to avoid. But actually, we can learn a lot from, from the other side of corporate is how, how do you build the right processes and how do you how do you how do you bring efficiency and then bring clarity throughout the organization uh, to get better alignment. The, the approach that we take at this is it, it, it's not we always say polarities so so at on there's not a lot of this is wrong that is right but more like this can be right and this can be right and it's about finding that balance balance point in between so so even i would say corporate and startup if you put them on kind of two end of the spectrums on is probably both a startup and a let's say scaled up company instead of corporate, right? Like certain things uh, for, for a lot of things, you need both innovation and efficiency, right? You need extrovert and introvert. You need basically processes, but you also need kind of the, the agility to actually change uh, how you do things on a day-to-day -day basis. So we actually talk a lot about polarities, a lot of active discussion all the time in the company. What does polarity mean? What does it mean for our team? What does it mean for my specific job? Uh, how do I make sure that if I am at one end of the polarity that I also understand the other end? Different people might come to the table with different opinions and then making sure that we understand each other and then together make a certain decision that is the best for the business. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of active discussion is very important for us to keep to keep the culture. But it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a very important topic and not, not that easy. So you're always adapting. <laughs> you, you we're definitely always adapting, but also there are also certain elements that you know is so core to the business that yes. is so core to your culture that you need to make sure you always protect, right? Like what you mentioned, we are a very innovation-driven company. We are a very product-driven company, and that should never change. If you're compromising innovation and product to efficiency and cost, that's probably the wrong decisions being made because then, then it's not on anymore and you might be sacrificing your competitive edge. So, so I think certain things is very core to us and we always try to try to keep that as the core. Like it's always product first, it's always innovation technology first. So, so you also stop kind of from being again, overly corporate and becoming somebody else. Mm, okay. I think that I, I love to come to the third how, right? How I need your, I need your help. What was the third? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just coming to that. It, I think it's the, the most fascinating one. How do you manage family life with two kids okay. and the third one coming, okay. being a COO? And yeah. then your husband is also extremely busy. How do you guys manage that? Yeah. Hey, I, I think there's, there's no magic answer. 
uh, it's not about how do you get everything. I mean, unfortunately, you just cannot get everything. Very early on in my motherhood, I was told that there is this triangle, right? It's, it's, it's the family, it's your career, and then it's yourself. Maybe it's even more elements in there, like your family or relationship, whatever, right? So, so you just cannot get, get everything. This is this is for sure. It's never easy. And hey, it takes it takes a village to raise a family. Uh, you, 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 never, you, you never can do this alone. So I think it's also important that that we need to admit that we all need a lot of help along this, right? I have a very, very supportive husband who also has a very, very busy executive job. But I would say we are very, we are very supportive of each other in both our career and also in the way we, we share loads at home. We have our extended family to help. Sometimes we get also external help to come in, like 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 for cleaning or, or or stuff like that. I think it's also very important that women don't feel like they have to do everything. You need to admit that you need help and you actually go and get the help you need. Um, and even with all these help, right, it's still not perfect. Like it's, 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 it's interesting. I was just discussing with my, uh, my peer the other day. She's the, she's a general manager of our America's business that sometimes you just, there's just little, there's still a little meltdown moments at home. You know, we both have very small kids and, and because she just disappeared from one of the meetings, she said, Hey, family emergency, I need to be gone for the day. Mm-hmm. And then the second day I checked in, I'm like, Hey, what happened? She said, yeah, somehow everybody at home was just not in a good mood. And I realized I need to go home and then to, to really, to really bring, bring situation in con- under control. And the th- the same thing happened to me as well, every now and then, and you just need to be, 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 be okay with this kind of situations. Right. So, so I think just having that peaceful mindset that things will not be perfect all the time and things will not be under control all the time. It's very important. It's very important to have your peer group to be able to talk about these issues. Uh, and then knowing that I am not the worst mom in the world, it, it's okay. And I think having 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 your support system, right? Being it your partner, your extended family, or or external help. Um, so to be able to sort of finding a balance. But to be honest, I mean, you know it probably also also very well being being a mother for quite quite some time. Actually, you're a more experienced a mother than I am. It's never easy. And and trust me, nobody really has that balance. But then be grateful also for the small moments of balancing moments. It's already, it's already good enough. It's part of the challenge, right? That's also why we sign up to be a mom, because because we want more challenges in life. <laughs> yes, I, I love that. I, I still remember the time that my toughest time in life was the time I became a single mother. Uh, working full time and with no support at all and uh, income was not enough so that was a tough time so I really appreciate any help that I get from friends uh, and the community so now I remember right when do you want to give a present to a mother give her free time <laughs> right uh take for vouchers right like yes yeah, so just you get 20 hours of my time have her babysit the kids yeah. and then she yeah. go for a walk and run and that's the best person yeah. we yeah. can give to a mother i think to that also right the other thing is when you need help you you got to ask yeah ask right so so i think sometimes it's also we keep a lot on ourselves right um, and this is not just women, right? Men as well. Like I, I have to say, they're also very, 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 very good fathers in this whole family growing thing. I, I just think it's it's very important that you ask for help, you reach out. We we all tend to keep so much burden on ourselves. And, and you know, when you ask for help, your your friends are nice enough to actually chime in and help you. But without asking, they they don't know because they they consider you as so competent, so confident. You always do everything perfectly. So just Again, just just knowing that it's not easy, everyone is struggling, proactively reach out for help is very important. So Jiahui, I want to keep you forever because you're so inspiring. Your idea is so 
new, right? Eye-opening. Um, but I know you also have a hard stop. So I would ask one last question. Please. What advice would you give to young talents? You're young yourself, but younger talents <laughs> to who are Thank you. Thank you. I don't get that comment a lot these days unless I talk to supply chain people. Uh, <laughs> um so, so hey, I, I think I don't consider myself old, but but I also feel honored. Uh, I'm obviously not a Generation Z. Hey, I would say for me personally, I think the earlier segment of my career where I explored a lot really meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you try out different things, right? You figure out what do you actually enjoy and, and how you can actually really add a lot of value to, to people and different businesses. So figure out your own kind of purpose and your own strengths was very important. Secondly, that gave me a great chance of also just learning from different people. Uh, it's your leaders, it's your, it's your peers. My consulting experience, especially because I was a private equity consultant that I rolled on to a new project every two to three weeks because I was specifically focusing on private equity due diligence. So in two years, I had almost more than 20 managers. And that was just such a such an asset that you can learn so many different leadership styles some of them you aspire to be some of them you you would you are pretty sure that you don't want to be um I think just this exploration uh phase was very important for me to to really figure out my my personal why um and also just learn so much from from people Mm. Um, that's very important I think secondly is is obviously uh, don't be afraid of of challenging status quo right like if you feel like you're being constrained if people are telling you you don't have enough experience and, and, and you just need to be patient, you need to wait until opportunity comes to you, it might just be the right, the wrong place for you. Obviously, you need to make sure, like, I think really be very, very open about growth and then be very, very mindful about your growth, right? So so a lot of times I think people get complacent and then just wait until growth opportunities come to them. Uh, but for me, that's more about you You own your future, you own your growth. Obviously, growth comes in multiple dimensions, right? It's definitely not just about promotion, big titles, raises, but then look at what you are learning from a, from, a, from a competency perspective, from a soft skill perspective. And if you feel like you're not learning and nobody's helping you out, it's your responsibility. You, you need to move on yourself. As a COO, what are the three qualities you want to see in a young talent? Hey, I think definitely that whole growth mindset and that eagerness to learn is is very important. On the other hand, hand I think you can never overemphasize uh, kind of the, the the people the people skills. Uh, and and by people skills, I'm not talk, talking about kind of managerial or anything from from that perspective, but just just the fact that somebody can be authentic. And somebody can can have empathy for other people. That's a that's a great starting point, right? If you if you if you can well express yourself and you have actually the courage to 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 show your vulnerabilities, and then you have the ability to understand other people, I think that's a very very important asset. Number three, it's always hard to answer answer a question of of, of three things. Um, I think the third you one. You can say more. You can tell more. <laughs> <laughs> probably comes to grit, right? Kind of your your determination. Like you also cannot hop around for too long and never never try to build any competency or speciality anywhere, right? So so having that, again, this is about learning, but then it's more deep learning rather than like kind of I on the surface learn everything, but then you need to go deep at some point and then build competency for yourself. And then to actually deeply learn or achieve anything, it takes grit, it takes patience, it takes the, the capability to deal with frustration and, and temporary setbacks. That's, that's something I would also really value. Mm, fantastic. Love that advice. So... 
Thank you very much, Jiahui, for uh, being with us and giving sure, insight to our audience. Uh, as I said, um, I'd love to keep you forever. And let me know when I can help and come over to babysit so that you can take and go for a run. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. That's uh, that's uh, I'm going to I'm going to keep that <laughs> as a, as as a voucher for some point. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard. Be sure to go to alcardglobal.com and click the podcast button for all the show notes of the interview. Also, subscribe to our mailing list to get our latest update first. If you're listening to a streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, we would appreciate the kind review. Five star works best to keep us going and our production team happy. And of course. Share it with your friends. I'm most active on LinkedIn, so do feel free to follow me. And if you have any suggestions on what to do and who to invite next, don't hesitate to drop me a note. And if you're looking to hire top executives in supply chain or transform your business, of course, contact us as well to find out how we can help. Thank you very much.